Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Exploring Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Krim. And on this show, I really look to explore the ideas, the strategies, the companies that are shaping the future of healthcare uh, for my own learning, my own understanding, and also to share with you. And I hope uh, these episodes have been beneficial. And on this episode, I sit down with Vijay Kadar, who is the founder and CEO of Tomorrow Health, where they are working to simplify home-based medical care. And they're tackling this problem in several ways, which we uh, dive into greater detail during the conversation. We also discuss Vijay's biggest takeaways from the 2021 healthcare conference circuit uh, that he's been on, and also his perspective on the healthcare industry in general. We talk about his very personal story and experience with his mother and her battle with cancer, which uh, ultimately motivated him to start Tomorrow Health. And we discuss some logistics of delivering high quality care to the home. You know, it was really interesting talking to Vijay and realizing that, you know, prior to 1930, most care was delivered in the home. And there's a real desire from patients today, especially those that are older and aging, that they want to age at home, that they want to avoid going to the clinic to receive care. They want to receive that in the comfort and the stability of their own home. Really enjoyed this conversation and hope that you will as well. All right, we'll go ahead and get started. But Jay, appreciate you coming on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me, Nick. So I wanted to start here. Uh, we were chatting a little bit before we started about the uh, health conference circuit that you've been on. And I know most recently you were at uh, HLTH last week, and I wanted to see what were your biggest takeaways from, from that conference. Um, saw some stuff on Twitter, looked like a great time and, and looked like a lot of great content. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a fun and exciting couple of days and really incredible to see uh, so much of the industry come back together after the last year and a half. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that I would highlight that I, I thought were particularly salient. Uh, you know, the first is just how much uh, digital health as a, a vertical has accelerated over the last two and a half years. And we've seen it in, in so many manifestations, of course, the tremendous amount of funding uh, that has entered the space. Um, but, uh, you know, I think what I saw walking around uh, was just the, the tremendous pace at which so many businesses within the space have accelerated. You know, you've seen companies that were uh, small uh, and early stage businesses uh, two years ago, you know, emerge uh, from, from the pandemic as, as market leaders. Um, and you've seen category creators become uh, those that are driving verticals today. Uh, and I think it's, it's been driven uh, by a number of different avenues, certainly the influx of new capital as fuel for growth. Uh, I think the second has been uh, really the embrace of uh, many incumbents in the space from uh, payers to health systems, variety of channel partners to actually uh, embrace innovation. And uh, you know, I think so much of what this space needed for, for several years was a why now as to uh, really serving as a catalyst uh, for that embrace by many incumbents across the ecosystem. I think we've, we've definitely seen that through the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, I think that the, the second thing that I'd highlight is um, really just the palpable optimism of how, uh, you know, much of this embrace and, and, and many of these dynamics will only continue and grow. I think, you know, we have certainly seen with our business uh, many large uh, payers, health systems, and risk-bearing entities, you know, looking for innovative and comprehensive solutions uh, around home-based care and digital health. And I think there's a tremendous amount of optimism as to what can be created now that 
you know, some of the infrastructure has been laid in core components of, of the ecosystem. Uh, and the third thing is really just an influx of, of talent into the space. I think it's quite clear now, you know, we're seeing uh, exceptional individuals enter healthcare and healthcare technology uh, from not only the pure tech space, uh, from services companies, uh, from, uh, you know, leaders across uh, traditional healthcare incumbents uh, stepping into building more innovative solutions. And I think it's ultimately that base of talent uh, that is really going to drive the industry going forward. Any, uh, anyone stick out in particular to you that, that you walked away and said, hey, man, they're doing some, some really cool and great things? Yeah, you know, I think, I think there's a, a number of, of companies, um, you know, in the behavioral health space, um, uh, a company called Headway, that's uh, a marketplace uh, for behavioral health and therapists, I think has uh, been really doing some, uh, some innovative work in, in not only destigmatizing, but also scaling and providing effective access uh, to, to mental and behavioral health uh, that's really accessible by patients uh, across uh, geographies and across insurance types. Um, the uh, Maven in the, in the uh, um, uh, not only at maternity, but women's health space more broadly, uh, I think is you know, one of those players that has expanded materially over the last two years uh, and seen you know, really acceleration in trajectory from what was initially a B2C offering uh, to an enterprise employer offering to now working uh, with, provide, with payers and, and risk-bearing entities. And so you know, uh, two of, of the many businesses, I think, doing really fascinating things across the ecosystem. So what ultimately led you into the healthcare space? When I look at your background, I see uh, you start off in investing, investment banking, but what ultimately led you to focus on this space? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, you know, in, in many ways, I was, I was born into the healthcare space. Uh, I grew up in a big family of physicians. I like to say I was pre-med coming out of the womb. Uh, mm -hmm. But initially, as you noted, started my career investing in healthcare. It was at Goldman Sachs and their private equity arm investing in um, uh, primarily healthcare technology and services businesses. And, you know, while I found uh, investing to be incredibly uh, intellectually stimulating, I found that uh, what, I, what I really loved was the opportunity to work closely uh, with management teams and uh, with leaders that uh, were really driving change and innovation across the landscape. And uh, while I was there, uh, you know, I was also part of a, a small team across the firm that was tasked with assessing and understanding Obamacare. You know, what were the key tenets of the law? How did it impact different subsectors in healthcare? And what were the opportunities uh, for innovation and for investment? And you know, I, I sat down and actually read the law end to end. Um, you know, something I'm, I'm curious how many you know congressmen or senators have have done. Uh, but it, it's it's really uh, it's really a fascinating piece of legislation, one that has tremendously impacted um, the healthcare system more broadly, but really every subsector. And taking an innovator's lens to it, you can look through every chapter and see you know, new opportunities to drive enhancements to the quality or access to care. And it certainly inspired me to want to uh, be a part of, of driving that change and uh, had the opportunity from there to get connected with the founders at Oscar Health, uh, Mario Slosher and Josh Kushner, um, pretty early on in the company's history in 2014, and uh, had the incredible opportunity to work uh, towards building that business over about three years uh, in a number of different capacities uh, before leaving to start Tomorrow Health. 
Yeah. How did you get, or, or uh, how big were those guys at that time when you got connected with them? Were they pretty early, early stages? Early stages. We were about a few dozen folks. Um, uh, I think it was about two or three conference rooms in the puck building at the time. And, uh, you know, pretty quickly from there on, we, you know, we grew very fast. I remember but it felt about every three months we were knocking down a different wall in the building and taking over more space. And uh, within the next year, we were several hundred. And by the time I left, uh, you know, up to about 1500. Uh, and uh, we was very fortunate to have the opportunity there to wear a number of different hats, um, spearheaded some of the strategy and finance efforts early on. Uh, and then as part of a focus on growth strategy, moved down to Dallas, uh, launched and led the company's Texas division um, as general manager, as we grew and scaled that business to cover uh, about 100,000 Texans across three markets, um, and, uh, and then came back to New York and, and spearheaded tenants of the clinical strategy at the national level, focused on starting a complex case management program to oversee the care of, of some of our sickest and most challenged members, and then a range of innovations around transitioning healthcare to the home. So walk me through what you're building at Tomorrow Health. I've, I've done a fair amount of reading and, you know, a lot of this is you can go to the internet and, and read about it and you guys got a great webpage, but yeah, walk me through what you're, what you're building and, and what ultimately led you to uh, down this path. Yeah, absolutely. Our vision at Tomorrow Health is to restore the home as a patient's primary point of care. And we do so as a marketplace uh, to coordinate home-based healthcare. Um, the genesis for the business was a personal experience I had had managing my mother's home-based care. She was a stage three cancer patient. Fortunately, is doing well now and in remission, but had a difficult journey through it. She spent a couple of months inpatient in the ICU and about three months on a ventilator battling a lung disease. And coming out of that, needed a year of very intensive home-based healthcare. Everything from 14 liters of oxygen to ostomy and wound care supplies, mobility and respiratory equipment, physical and respiratory therapy, I just saw firsthand uh, how challenging that process was to manage and coordinate. Despite being in healthcare myself, despite uh, growing up in a family of physicians, um, I was guided by our insurance company to work with nearly a dozen different home-based care providers. Uh, you know, I found myself walking uh, to a local DME shop with a prescription that said CPAP. Turns out there's 20 different types of CPAP machines with someone with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease needs is very different than someone with sleep apnea. And yet there's very little guidance or support to navigate that process. Managing her insurance benefits was another challenge. Uh, all in, it took us about six weeks to get everything that she needed. And fortunately over that time, we had to readmit her back to the hospital twice in that first month. And it just opened my eyes to the fact that while so many of us across the healthcare ecosystem genuinely believe in the overarching shift towards the home, a shift that has undeniably accelerated meaningfully over the last two years. The infrastructure to enable that shift reliably and at scale was simply lacking. And that's ultimately what we've aimed at, to build at Tomorrow Health. Um, as noted, we're a marketplace to coordinate home-based healthcare, uh, beginning with a focus around the products that patients need, the medical equipment and supplies. And uh, we do so uh, in partnership with a range of payers, uh, health systems, uh, risk-bearing entities, and home-based care suppliers to ultimately streamline the patient experience end-to-end -to, -end, uh, to coordinate uh, that level of care for patients that are either coming out of the hospital and need post-acute health needs or are managing ongoing chronic conditions 
to help them get matched with the right home health providers, to get matched with the right equipment and supplies, and to support uh, their, their home-based care needs. Uh, and today, we're fortunate to be partnered with over 125 health plans and health systems at the regional and national levels. Uh, and we've been fortunate to be able to deliver an over 95 NPS score across the breadth of patients we've served. That's a big metric there, one that seems to kind of go out the door sometimes when you're talking about the health, the healthcare space or people forget about it. Yes, I want to talk about the home-based care because, you know, when I, when I read, read my history, that's not a new concept. You know, prior to the 1930s, that was actually the norm. So from your perspective and, and what caused that shift away from the home-based care to more centralized or, you know, in-clinic in care? You're completely right, uh, Nicholas. You know, before the 1930s, the vast majority of care was delivered at home. Uh, ultimately, the shift that predicated change uh, was ultimately the, the centralization or bundling of care around uh, large integrated hospital systems. And there was a number of dynamics that drove that. Uh, the first was you know, the accreditation of physicians uh, by uh, local uh, hospital groups, academic medical centers, and physicians associations. The second was uh, the purchasing and increasing dependence on expensive capital equipment like MRI machines, which could only really be purchased and managed by a, a hospital system. Uh, third was you know, the, the development of the modern insurance system in America that was really predicated around partnerships uh, with, uh, with hospital systems. Uh, and then, of course, over you know, the last few decades, you've seen increasing consolidation, both the horizontal and the vertical level. Hospitals kind of increasing their breadth, um, but also increasing their depth. Um, you know, coming downstream, coming upstream, and and purchasing physicians groups from primary care facility, uh, primary care organizations to larger multi-specialty groups, and coming downstream into you know other tenets of you know urgent care, ambulatory surgical centers, or or even tenets of home-based healthcare. Uh, and so all of these dynamics really, uh, you know, created and kind of shifted the epicenter of care from the home to the hospital. Uh, but as you can tell, none of those dynamics were necessarily predicated with the patient's best interests in mind, right? Um, it seems uh, kind of anathema to uh, a patient's well-being to say, you know, for the care that you need, you have to leave your home and go to a different location that could be you know, 30 minutes or several hours away, book an appointment months in advance, wait you know, up to two hours in a waiting room to spend you know, five, 10, 15 minutes with a clinician uh, in an area where we have aggregated a range of sick people together, right? And um, ultimately it is that level of inconvenience, those challenges that have uh, prevented many individuals from seeking the care they need, whether it is preventive, whether it is ongoing management. Uh, and, and those are some of the dynamics that have really driven the unbundling of care over the last decade or so, as we've really seen care shift to the most appropriate settings of care. And it's driven by patient preference. Today, 90% of senior citizens want to age in place, not in an institutional care facility. That trend has no doubt been accelerated by COVID-19. Uh, but also the shift to value-based care, uh, driving care to the highest value site of care, which in, in many and most cases is the home. Uh, for most conditions, it is about one-tenth the cost uh, to support a patient uh, at, uh, at home than in the hospital. And at a time when 
medical uh, costs uh, are the leading cause of personal bankruptcy in the U.S., you know, managing around the affordability of care is so critical. Uh, so we're, we're definitely seeing, you know, kind of the pendulum swing back towards the home. But as you noted, uh, it's really coming back to many of the roots of the common sense form of healthcare that we used to deliver in America. So what have been the biggest barriers to, to shifting it back to the home? And, uh, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you about is the last mile problem, which, and I, one of the things I love about what you're building is, you know, you're working through such a, you're trying to solve such a logistical issue um, and a logistical solution. And, and we've been reminded so much with a lot of the supply chain issues that we've had in the world that although we have made so much progress in computing and, and technology that we still live in a very physical world. So um, yeah, what have been the biggest barriers? And if you can talk to me some about kind of that last mile problem when we talk about delivering these goods to the home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, one of the biggest barriers uh, has been uh, uh, from a reimbursement standpoint. Uh, the second has been uh, from an access standpoint. I'll touch on some of the supply chain capabilities referenced. And the third has been uh, from a coordination standpoint. Um, you know, first, uh, from a reimbursement standpoint, uh, we have seen uh, over uh, the last couple of years, uh, certainly greater motivation, but also greater action from payers and risk-bearing entities to drive care towards the most appropriate sites of care. And, you know, uh, you've seen innovation around site-neutral care payments, uh, around many policy and reimbursement interventions that have really facilitated and supported uh, the delivery of care and the payment for care, you know, outside of some of these traditional facility-based settings. And that's certainly uh, helped to support that ongoing trend. Uh, the second, uh, from an access standpoint, really results around uh, many tenets of, of the supply chain. Um, you know, from a healthcare standpoint, we treat the home as one site of care on the care continuum. In reality, the home is, of course, uh, millions of sites of care and individuals' homes. And what it takes to facilitate that is a reoriented home-based care supply chain, which is quite divergent uh, from the healthcare supply chains we've had today, where we are routing everything from medical equipment, products, drugs, and clinicians, home uh, uh, medical services towards healthcare facilities, whether it's hospitals, whether it's retail clinics, whether it's pharmacies or otherwise. Uh, and so being able to manage and coordinate those logistics effectively and at scale uh, is, 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 is particularly important. And the third is, is that level of coordination, right? Which is how are we bringing the different pieces together and taking what is now a cacophony in the home and, and translating that into a symphony, right? And uh, that is ultimately you know, what we think tremendously about when I, I reflect on my mother's care. Right, the need to have so many different care providers coming in and out of the home with absolutely no coordination just puts so much burden on, on her as a patient and, and myself and, and my family members as caregivers to coordinate and manage that. And that's a burden that, that all too often leads to patients falling through the cracks. Uh, and so at Tomorrow Health, we're really working to address each of those. We're working with health plans uh, to coordinate the right reimbursement structures to facilitate and enable home-based care. We're bringing together technology-enabled logistics and partnerships with a range of, of home-based care providers and suppliers to enable much more reliable operational logistics from a supply chain or services standpoint to enable effective care in the home when patients expect it. 
And then thirdly, we're working to drive a layer of coordination across that such that we can be that trusted partner to a patient or a family member in guiding them uh, through this transition of care to facilitate them remaining safe and healthy at home. So these partners that you mentioned that are focused on actually coming in and delivering the care at the home, um, is that typically very regionally focused, I would assume? It is. I mean, ultimately, healthcare is is local, right? right. And, yeah. um, you know, what we find in, in this space and a lot of tenants of home-based care is there is a tremendous amount of fragmentation uh, among providers in the space. And it's one of the things that has made it challenging for many providers themselves to invest in either the technology or the operational logistics um, to either enhance uh, operational reliability or that level of coordination. That's something that we have built into the Tomorrow Health Marketplace to facilitate that process. You know, we provide for the suppliers that we work with, uh, not only technology and tools to enable them to operate their businesses more efficiently, uh, to serve a greater volume of patients, but also with clear performance analytics to help them improve their businesses. Um, and so for, you know, the breadth of local regional providers all the way up to large nationals that we partner with, um, you know, driving those value-added services ultimately oriented around better patient care in the home. Yeah, and I guess kind of a, you know, this, I, I guess expanding that question some, I would imagine that, um, I think about I'm in Atlanta and, you know, maybe there's a, a regional partner that could deliver this for a hospital system, but as they look, look to expand and say, well, I've got locations in, you know, maybe Charlotte, North Carolina, I've got some in, in Florida, um, you kind of run up against that that problem that hey it's great you can deliver on this in, in the greater Atlanta area in Georgia some but what are you going to do for my other my other facilities which I, I kind of see that's where you guys come in and you're coordinating and, and building those out so I wanted to ask you about um, you kind of alluded to it earlier um, you know I leave the hospital I'm, I'm prescribed a list of medical services and, and you kind of spoke to the challenge that you had going and looking at a CPAP machine and, and there's 20 different types. So how does, walk me through, like, what does the process look like at Tomorrow Health? Like, what is that from the moment I leave the, the hospital, what does that coordination uh, look like? Yeah, exactly. So, so the first is going to be at the point of order. Um, you know, oftentimes uh, medical equipment or supplies is prescribed by a physician, uh, by hospital discharge manager, or it may be you know, a patient receiving a prescription directly and looking for a place to go. And so they're going to come to the Tomorrow Health platform um, and we're going to streamline that process uh, um, for those orders to be placed and processed. And ultimately, we can accelerate that process by about 40% uh, to make it easier for either clinicians or patients directly uh, to both place and process the orders for equipment and supplies. Uh, the second piece of it is, you know, we are going to leverage a set of data-driven algorithms to match those orders with the highest value supplier within the network, right? Leveraging a wide range of, uh, of criteria across uh, quality, patient satisfaction, operational reliability, uh, to ultimately um, enable those orders to be matched with the, the, the right supplier to meet that patient's needs. And then we're going to guide that patient journey end to end. And so that's everything from uh, helping the patient get set up with the right supplier, helping them to identify the right equipment and supplies they need. Back to that example of the CPAP machine, actually sitting down with somebody and talking through you know, the breadth of uh, clinical and administrative information and data that helps to inform based on their conditions, based on their demographics, what is the right product or bundle of products best suited for their needs. And then critically, ensuring that they're set up to be 
safe, educated, and healthy at home. Uh, enabling them to, to get the right resources on how they utilize those products, how they stay adherent to those products, uh, and ultimately all doing so uh, to, to enable them to be healthy and safe at home. So it's that guided journey that is driven by technology, but supported by a personal touch and personalized service uh, to really enable that to be a much more seamless and reliable process. And what benefits does this have from like the supplier's standpoint? I, I've got some ideas, but if I'm a supplier and Tomorrow Health comes knocking on my door and says, hey, I've got this great model, like what, what are the benefits yeah. to them? The first is we enable them to, to run their businesses more efficiently. So we take uh, away some of the operational overhead uh, that is otherwise needed and makes the space so challenging for many suppliers. Um, you know, this is a space where, uh, you know, the, the, the gross margin profile is, is actually fairly attractive, but many of these suppliers struggle to, to run their businesses op, uh, operationally and, and, and profitably. And so through some of the tools that we're able to provide, uh, we're enable them to, to operate their businesses a bit more efficiently. Uh, the second is from a growth standpoint. Uh, for you know, high quality suppliers, we enable them to grow their businesses and serve a greater breadth of patients. And the third is we provide them visibility into performance, into quality, into things that they can be doing to improve and enhance their businesses more effectively um, in order to enable them to, to deliver greater patient care and to run their businesses in a way that is more effective and sustainable. That makes a lot of sense. Have there been any, I mean, I would think the biggest challenge if I'm a supplier and I'm working directly with a, with a, uh, a system, a provider, a health, health system, I, I would think, um, have you run across any that have tried to tackle this like kind of more direct to consumer model or um, tried to deliver directly to the home? I don't know if I'm asking that correctly, but um, or have they pretty much always just been focused on, you know, I'm selling to the hospital or I'm delivering to the hospital. Have any even tried to branch out and try to tackle this market? You know, ultimately, I think there's there's uh, two, two ways to look at it, right? One is in the ways in which uh, suppliers support patients more holistically. And the second is uh, in the way that you know, healthcare is paid for, serving kind of cash pay products as opposed to going through through reimbursement. Um, and, you know, I think we've seen a range of efforts from different tenets of the landscape around, you know, how patients can be served uh, more holistically. But, but ultimately, uh, there's a lot of complexity in this space. Uh, you know, it's an area where there is a profundity of uh, Medicare billing codes that govern the space. There's variations across the you know, hundreds of thousands of SKUs and the many insurance benefit designs. And so, you know, these are all things that uh, really make operating in this space, and ultimately managing those workflows for, to deliver for patients more complex. And, uh, and that's something uh, that we have leveraged our, our technology in our marketplace to streamline. And, and then to the second piece, it's just always reorienting uh, those workflows around the patient. And, you know, starting with the patient journey and working backwards from there, which is something that has been a, a huge focus for us, right? And there have been, you know, countless examples uh, of, of how that has, has, has remedied so many of the challenges that patients have, right? We, you know, served a, a, an elderly gentleman uh, in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic that was, you know, traveling to a different state, uh, unfortunately uh, got ill with COVID, uh, ended up spending two weeks on a ventilator in a hospital here in New York. And um, you know, his wife had been calling a range of different potential suppliers to coordinate, but was unable to get through some of the bottlenecks around uh, the insurance process 
identifying the right equipment that he needed or uh, being able to get it reliably in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, she was referred into us and that same day we were able to get him the oxygen, uh, the respiratory supplies and the mobility care that he needed. Our care advocates stayed uh, engaged with them over the next couple of weeks speaking uh, at times, multiple times daily to ensure uh, that he was able to get back on his feet and healthy and safe. And it's, it's really uh, that type of coordination, management and reliability that we really look to, to, to bring to everything we do. And uh, you know, every week at our, our company, All Hands, we share patient stories just like that. And uh, it is just so grounding as to the work that we all do every day uh, to see that direct impact, but also recognizing that, you know, we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg. And there are so many more patients out there that could utilize uh, the benefits of that coordination and support. And that's what fuels us to keep growing and expanding the company. That's a great, uh, great story that you shared. And, and it's a, it's a great mission. Um, are there any markets or part of, part of the, the country that you've been surprised at how um, open they have to been, they've been to adapting this home-based care model or how quickly it's, it's, uh, it's scaled? Yeah, you know, we're, we're seeing it in regions across the country. Um, I think this is, healthcare is localized, but these are, are problems that exist everywhere. Um, you know, a lot of these dynamics around lack of an effective home-based care supply chain around the complexities of, of insurance reimbursement. Uh, and a lot of the challenges that are ultimately faced by patients really, really are universal. Uh, and so we've seen it play out in, in, in a variety of states across the country and with partners at both the regional and national levels. So I wanted to ask you as, as CEO and as, as a founder, what are some other individuals or companies that have uh, inspired you? Yeah, there's, there's a number uh, that, I, that I would point to. Um, you know, starting within uh, the healthcare space, and I named a couple innovative companies earlier, uh, but one that, that I've always admired is a company called Landmark Health. Um, and it's a company that focuses on uh, coordination uh, of care and management of care for complex uh, uh, elderly adults within the home. And so, you know, these are folks that typically have, you know, four or five plus uh, chronic conditions, maybe on 15 plus medications, and for whom um, the care is too often very fragmented, uh, leading to many of these patients coming back uh, to the hospital uh, over and over and over again. And um, you know, I think Landmark over the last several years has just really built a very thoughtful and clinically oriented model uh, around enabling care for patients uh, at that level of acuity uh, and bringing together a, a, an array of uh, clinical resources from physicians directly to nurse practitioners and social workers to really kind of help support uh, the patient care journey. They've also done it, uh, you know, thoughtfully uh, by aligning incentives with health plans and risk-bearing entities by taking on that holistic level of, of uh, care and cost management to really align incentives throughout the organization. Um, and uh, they've grown their, their footprint and their impact uh, pretty meaningfully and, and pretty materially uh, over the last couple of years, and and uh, and that's been that's been really powerful to see. Um, you know, another organization that I think uh, within healthcare that's been you know very uh, thoughtful and innovative recently is is Scan Health Plan, uh, led by a close friend, uh, Dr. Sachin Jain. Um, Scan is a uh, Medicare Advantage plan in Southern California, and uh, they have 
you know, I'll say back when I was at Oscar, we always had this belief that, uh, you know, health plan could play a much bigger role in the ecosystem by controlling the flow of payments could really tackle a bigger set of problems in helping patients engage with the healthcare system. And I think, you know, SCAN has really taken that approach. They've invested in a range of efforts to combat homelessness in the Southern California community and, and recognizing really some of the social determinants of health that ultimately, you know, uh, so meaningfully impact the care journey that most patients face and, and willing to come so far upstream to really address those through direct care initiatives, sending clinicians, you know, onto the street uh, to provide checkups or, or immunizations for many patients uh, and really taking that mantle of, of managing and coordinating the care of, of, of a population uh, to be more meaningful. Um, and, uh, and the third that I'd note is one of our partners, uh, which is Geisinger, um, uh, both at the clinical enterprise, the health system, and, uh, and, and Geisinger Health Plan. You know, Dr. Jaywan Wan Ru, uh, who leads the organization, I think is just one of um, the foremost um, thought leaders that we have in the healthcare space. And Geisinger has been incredibly forward thinking in really embracing you know, a range of modalities around home-based healthcare, um, from uh, working uh, to develop a, uh, a program called 65 Forward to serve seniors in the home, um, expanding their, their services capabilities, their telemedicine capabilities during the pandemic, and then uh, over the last year, partnering together with Tomorrow Health to really coordinate the medical equipment and supplies that patients need to complete that ecosystem. And we found them to be incredibly patient centered and patient centric partners uh, and have been very grateful to work with them uh, to really bring uh, some some of these solutions to life for their members. So I'd say, you know, have have drawn inspiration from a number of the founders and leaders at these organizations as we really think about bringing innovative care models to the space. I see that you guys are looking to grow the team as well. Um, any thoughts like when you sit down with someone, what's maybe the the one or two things that are top of mind? Um, when you're looking to, to hire and expand the team and grow the team. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing I always say is um, uh, skills can be learned, uh, but true passion and, and motivation is hard to teach. And uh, ultimately, you know, when I sit down with folks, that's what I'm most interested in. What motivates you? Um, you know, I, I like to understand and unpack over the course of the work they've done, you know, what they have found themselves most naturally passionate about. And what you know is the impact that they want to drive uh, more broadly through their careers and and in in an organization, um, because I think the opportunities where you can align that well of motivation, that true passion, uh, with what the company and our customers need, uh, really just creates the most uh, impactful um, set of of innovation. Um, and, and outputs for, for, for the team. Uh, and it creates an environment where, you know, we have people coming together from different backgrounds, but driven uh, by, by that same mission. So uh, I'd say, you know, motivation and passion are one. Second is alignment with our core values. Um, we, you know, very early on, we're very deliberate in outlining our values as a company. Um, you know, to name a few of them. One, you know, to fight like hell for patients. Uh, not only demonstrating our focus on patient care, but also the passion and the resilience that is needed to drive change. Uh, change the system from within, recognizing that healthcare is deeply complex. We need as a team to embrace that complexity uh, in order to, to drive change. And also um, 
that you know in a, innovation and creating a better product, in my opinion, is is not hard uh, within healthcare. The bar is unfortunately set too low in some areas, but it's getting that innovation to distribution, which is often challenging. And so, really aligning our incentives and treating all of our partners and stakeholders as truly customers is critical for us to expand our impact uh, to patients. Um, and then uh, reporting to the goal, right? As our business has grown or our team has grown 10x of last year, um, you know, we have folks coming in from all backgrounds, working at different teams of the company, but always remembering we're all reporting to our mission uh, and, and ultimately uh, to the level of care that we can provide to the patients that we serve. Uh, and in doing so, fostering a culture of deep, deep collaboration across the company. So in many ways, it's, it's those intangibles uh, that I'm, ex I'm most excited by uh, when I sit down with new candidates. And as you said, we're hiring across the team uh, right now. You know, we've been fortunate to have the backing of some tremendous partners, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, Obvious Ventures, Box Group, uh, founders and CEOs from PayPal, Tenet Healthcare, DoorDash, uh, Oscar Health, Flatiron Health, Quartet, PillPack, and more, uh, really to drive change within this industry. And uh, we're expanding the team across technology, engineering, and product, across operations, business development, marketing, uh, and really welcome folks with the passion uh, for driving innovative change in the healthcare system to come on board. That's awesome. And I, I love those values that you laid out. Is there a, a book that's had the greatest impact on your thinking or you've, you've recommended uh, a lot to others? You know, so, so one uh, that certainly stands out as a founder is Ben Horowitz's book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Um, I'm going through that right now, actually. So. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just a, a fantastic um, uh, and very pragmatic um, uh, book in, in outlining some of the biggest challenges in, in building a new business. Uh, and, you know, written by not only one of the foremost entrepreneurs, but investors that uh, we have very, very much the, the fortune of working with at Tomorrow Health and in Ben Horowitz. Um, it, it is one that I have turned back to at many times along the journey uh, for guidance uh, as we've really hit the many inflection points across the business. And, you know, I think it's valuable for anybody uh, who's building a business, but, but also really folks, you know, across roles and across industries. It, it speaks, if anything, as the title conveys uh, to, uh, you know, how to enable the type of resilience that's needed uh, to, to do something really meaningful. Um, and that can be uh, as a company or that can be, you know, in, in supporting individuals throughout your life as you go through difficult times. That's a good one. Well, Vijay, uh, you've been so generous with your time. I really appreciate it and I've enjoyed the, the conversation. Um, if folks have any questions about anything that you said or they just want to connect with you, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, uh, shoot me an email, vijay at tomorrowhealth.com. Uh, love to hear from folks and I would love to get uh, folks thoughts and perspectives on some of the topics that we've uh, we've chatted about. And uh, as noted, we're actively hiring. We're looking uh, to build our team with passionate and mission driven individuals and, uh, and and really excited to be working with an exceptional set of folks as we, as we chart the path forward. But this has really been a pleasure, uh, Nicholas. Thanks so much for the time. Well, that does it for this episode of the Exploring Healthcare podcast. If you're enjoying the show, hope you'll tune into future episodes. I'll be posting those on my LinkedIn and Twitter pages, both at Nicholas Krim. 
As always, they're available on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And if you have any suggestions about future guests for the show, you can email those to me at email at nicholas, N-I-C-K-O-L-A-S, C.com. But until then and next time, hope you have a great day.